Awesome. So good to see you guys. Um, this morning, we decided to take a, a break, a one-week break from our series through Matthew, looking at Jesus as the Messiah, to kind of do a, a rededication, a, a relaunch, um, because it's our first day back in this beautiful building. Um, I want to read for you something that, as I, I thought through... Is it okay that I'm here, Aaron? Is that working out? Okay. Um, as I thought through our, our opening here and, and how a lot of you guys, I was just talking with Glenn, and um, Glenn's not sitting there. I don't know where he is. Um, anyway, we were just talking because they never saw the old Coffee Oasis, and how many of you have, ha- hadn't seen it before this new awesome opening? Yeah. Yeah, so a, a couple of you hadn't, and I... It reminded me of in Ezra. Um, in Ezra, the children of Israel had been exiled, and then a, some of them were sent back to the the, um, the land of Israel, and and they they rebuilt the temple. And when they re- oh, there's Glenn. You were kind of hiding. Um, and and then when they rebuilt the temple, this is what happened. It says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, the priests in their vestments and with their trumpets and the Levites with cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good, his love endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout, praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish between the sounds of shouts of joy and the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from far away. And, and so just thinking about that as we come in, uh, hopefully there's no weeping. But, but the, 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 all of us come back here, come to here, with, with memories from, from you know, uh, that stretch maybe all the way back to, to 15 years ago. And, and some of you guys are, are fairly new here. So how do we honor um, the investment and the blessings that we've received um, the ways God u- has used this place before it looked this cool, and how do we look forward to this, this almost like mystery of blessing that he still has for us here? Um, so how do we share that together? And, and so what we're going to look at today um, is a little bit about how we can really honor the work of God in our midst that is, is visible in the way we see this cool new building, but I think there's a lot of invisible things which make it a lot more worthwhile celebrating. So pray with me, and then we'll get started. God, you have been good. God, you were good during the six months that we waited uh, for this to be opened up again. God, in the 15 years where sometimes we didn't know if it was worth continuing God, and I pray that you're, in your grace, you would just give us a huge vision today of the good things you have in store for us, the challenging things that we will walk through together, believing you and trusting that you are holding our hand. God, I, just, I really ask that, that we can come together, we can unite as a people of God here um, and rejoice <laughs> with the expectation of what is to come. Um, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, 
quick story as we begin. Um, many years ago, I don't know how many years ago, it could have been 10 years ago, um, we had, instead of meeting like this, we had a house church. And how, just curiosity, how many of you guys just came to that? Up till four years ago, more of you guys didn't raise their hand, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we literally met in a, in a house, and there was 10 to 15 of us, you know, on any given Sunday. And, um, and that's the way we existed for a really long time. And, um, and one time as a staff together, and there was, there was some people that just were really involved, we went to the Stanley's house, if some of you know Helen and Tony Stanley. And, um, and we had a bonfire there, and um, it was just before the launch of what we had for a little while, a, a boy's home, a men's home, where, where guys could come and live for a little while. Uh, Rocky lived there, I, know, I don't know, Kurt, if he stayed there at all. Um, Jason lived there. And, and it was right before we rented this, this house, and, um, and I remember sitting around in a circle, and we were praying for it, and we were singing songs together, and one of the songs we sang was a song, Come Lord Jesus, which just says, come Lord Jesus, come, um, to all who are thirsty, come, you know, and, and we were singing together, and I remember distinctly, and I, actually, I was going to read my Bible, my old ratty Bible, that in, in it is written these words, are you ready for the pain that is to come? And that's because partway through, after we were singing this song, um, Peter, who moved into the house with Brian, now my brother-in-law, um, he just shared that, that we were, he goes, you know, Brian and I talked, and, and we're looking forward to this because we're ready for the pain that is to come. Um, you know, thinking it's an expectation of what God's calling us to. He goes, you know, we talked about it, and there's a lot of exciting things, but but we asked each other, are, are you ready for the pain that is to come? And, and me being maybe like, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, that really stuck out to me. And, and I, so I wrote that in my Bible. And, and I want us to ask ourselves that today. Are we ready for the pain that is to come? Um, the reason why is because we have a lot of reasons to not think about pain today. Um, this is so cool. Yesterday, when people would share with me and they said, Are, aren't, aren't you just so excited? And I was, like, I was like way more giddy than they were, you know? And I was like, yeah, you know? And, and it was like, it was just cloudless skies. And I think we can feel that when we come to a day like today, right? We can, we can look at, at where we are and where we have come from and just say, let's just revel in this. But in the midst of that, I want us to, with a, a real honesty, prepare ourselves for the race that's to come and how we finish well. Um, because unless we do that now, um, we're going to live with this great ignorance of the challenges that will be coming. If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4, it's where we're going to camp out today. Second Corinthians 4, starting at verse 16. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
we do not lose heart. If you look to the, the very first verse in that, I'm going to kind of pair it with that. Because the way that chapter begins is it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Literally, we do not give up. And, and there's been a lot of reasons to give up over the years. A lot of reasons to give up. A lot of reasons that we've felt um, maybe this isn't the right ministry for us. <laughs> maybe it's time to move on to something else. And maybe times where you guys have also felt that, right? As being part of this. And sometimes it gets hard and sometimes there's conflict. And you ask, well, maybe it's time to move on, right? Oftentimes we have come to that, but we do not lose heart. Earlier in the chapter, this is the way Paul describes the reason why we would have to lose heart. In verses uh, 7, he said, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. So, the first reason why we could have given up, and, and this, I think, is the, the most real one, is because we are very vulnerable and frail. And we have felt that so much along the way. And, and I know we're going to feel that also as we move forward, but... Um, but we have this treasure, it says, in jars of clay, so, so that though we are frail, though as I look out on you guys, and, and you guys are frail, and I'm frail, and we have this treasure that seems so good, and yet it's stored in these, these bodies that are, are sometimes pressed and feel like they're going to be crushed, but they won't. It says, we have this treasure here to show that this all-surpassing power that we see expressed through a lot of ways, we see expressed through a sense of victory, though we are wasting away. All these, this sense of power is to show that all this is from God and not from us. Right? All, that this, is, all this is from God and not from us. And so we should be excited. Though, where we sit now in this place of safety, we should be excited to look back and go, we have been pressed. It seems like on every side, there has been times, in, and I, would, I could share the most embarrassing stories about times where we have been pressed and gone, gone <laughs> I think we're breaking, right? I just think we're breaking. There's been times where we've been perplexed, where something has come at us, and, and we don't know how to process it. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that place in your life where you're like, I don't know why this has come. I don't know why God allowed this. But I, I, can't, I can't make sense of this. We have been perplexed, it says, but not in despair. We have been persecuted. So the re we, are, we are not just an organization that works with with youth and in the community, but we are an organization that loves Jesus. <laughs> and because we love Jesus, people have not liked us. right? You just have to read the comments on some of the newspaper articles we have and know that people just don't like us sometimes. Right? We have been persecuted in some ways. We have been struck down in other ways, but not destroyed. And the reason why this has happened is to show, right, the reason why God put his great gospel not in superheroes, but in us, frail, 
jars of clay is to show that what is going on is from him and not from you. Amen? And the moment that we try thinking it's from us, thinking that we are superheroes and not jars of clay, we miss out on what God is wishing to do through you to show his power through you. And so when we look around and we see this building, this building is, a, is frail, like us, right? It will decay like us. But there is something inside, there's a power of God in us, there's a spirit of God in us that does not decay, that is immortal, that, that expresses his power in a way that people, in looking at it, will not say, oh, oh, the Fredericks or all you who are involved, they are... It's because they're so cool that this ministry is successful. No, there's no reason for them to think that. There's no reason whatsoever for them to think that this church is, is making an impact in this city because of us. They have to think it's because of God, because we know them, right? And so we want to present ourselves in that, word, in that way. And so it says, so we do not lose heart, because though we are outwardly wasting away, Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day, right? Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And this is the only way that you can take this perspective of an overcomer, that no matter what comes your way, you can persevere, is because God has made an investment in your life. Right before verse 16, which we read, it explains why we don't lose heart a little more. And it just says, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Right? So this grace that is reaching more and more people, this grace that, that inherently causes in us a sense of, I don't deserve this, right? is overflowing to more and more people. So it's not a sense of, like, we're champions and that sense is passing on to more and more people more and more arrogant, prideful people who are going like, you can't stop us. But more and more people who are going, it's by grace we have received this. And the more people, they get, the more people that are coming in here and going, grace alone. This is grace. This is all grace. This is, this is a story of God's gifts. And the more people that are getting a vision of that, that's why we don't lose heart. On, um, on Thursday, I had the, the honor of showing... Um, Ten leaders from nine different nations around the world, uh, he, uh, the, the shop here. And we were kind of still in, in disarray, but uh, it, was, it was this cool opportunity. I got to go speak with them. And then they came down here. And as I was standing there talking to them about this and, and our other shops and this, I just saw this look of shock on their faces. This like... <laughs> um, and I was telling about some of the grants we'd got, which allowed us to, had done, to do this beautiful upgrade. And I, and I saw them, men from India, Romania, Russia, um, Kenya. And, and this, to them, I, I stopped all of a sudden. I realized that this has to look so extravagant. <laughs> right? I'm sure they were looking at this going, you guys, are, you guys must be wealthy Americans. <laughs> right? And... And all of a sudden, I just had this incredible sense of undeserving, right? I was like, and so I just stopped, and I go, I'm going to tell you guys a really quick story. I go, we have been doing this for 15 years, and when we started, 
we did not dream of this, right? <laughs> when we started, we weren't thinking of this, right, or that, or the other shops. This isn't what we dreamed of. It's not that we, we prayed a prayer of Jabez going, expand our territory, make us wealthy, right? We didn't pray that, right? We, and, and th but through these years, we've learned to go, I am frail and vulnerable and weak, God, and I can't do this. And God's gone, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another building then. <laughs> and we're like, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this building look a lot more beautiful so maybe more people will come. And we're like, right? And, and why? Well, so, so the all-surpassing power of God can be seen. Right? Amen? Not so we can be seen and not so you can be seen, but so God can be seen in this community. And that is why we exist. In the middle of that, it says that there are light and momentary struggles, but that the eternal, there is an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I think when we think about light and momentary struggles, we can think about a lot of things. We can think about maybe quarrels that we've had or, or times where there's been sickness in our midst or time of discouragement. Um, I'm just going to give you a brief look into what Paul was thinking when he thought about light and momentary struggles. Uh, in chapter 11, starting in verse 23, he says, I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, because if you had 40, you were supposed to die, right? Um, just 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open seas. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers, danger from the bandits, danger from my own countrymen, danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have gone without sleep, and I've known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face the daily pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I don't inwardly burn? Right? So whatever you thought of when you thought of light and momentary troubles, this is what Paul was thinking of. Okay? So it's interesting how our light and momentary troubles oftentimes outweigh outweigh what we see the reward is of knowing Jesus, right? <laughs> and so Paul is like, all these things, all these things, all my troubles, he goes, there is something that breaks the scale, right? That whenever, when I was beaten so many times, <laughs> I had the spirit of life when I was on the open seas, clinging onto a log, right? All those things, there was something that broke the scale and said, I will never think any of these things I will always think of these things as light compared to the value of this other thing. This eternal glory, he says, that far outweighs them all. Because for us, I think there's lighter things that cause us to very quickly go, enough! Right? God, that's it. If you give me one more day of this, I'm done with you. Right? So what was this thing that broke the scale for Paul? What broke the scale for Paul where he goes... No matter what happens, this is so much better. It was his strong view of eternity. His strong view of heaven is what broke the scale. 
And, and we need to somehow have that. And we need to somehow live with that if we are going to have the right perspective. Um, there is an essay by C.S. Lewis called The Weight of Glory um, dealing with this. And in it, he writes this. He says, you and I need the strongest thing that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of worldliness which has been laid upon us for nearly hundreds of years. He says, our whole education has been directed to silence this shy and persisting inner voice that the good of man can be found here. Right? That the good of man can be found here. And oftentimes that's why we say enough, God, is because we're like, this isn't the best. <laughs> and and if, we, if we see the best being here, we will cry out so much sooner. He says, there are, get this, he says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat, but it is, a, it is to immortals that we joke, we work, we marry, we snub, we exploit immortal horrors or immortal splendors. This does not mean that we are perpetually solemn, though. We must play, but our happiness must be of that kind which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other very seriously. With no flippancy or superiority, and our love must be a real and costly love with deep feeling for the sinner in spite of their sin. So we must approach one another. And this is, I think, why Paul said the scale is broken. What God has is so much better is because his home here, these walls here, he saw as being temporary. And if we grab a hold of that, you will have incredible eyes to see God's bigger plan. Because it, maybe if you come in here today and, and, and you see the walls and they're beautiful and the lights and, and this is it, the vision's going to be very short-lived. Amen? <laughs> very, very short-lived. But we believe that this building here is built to house eternal purposes. That this building itself is not eternal. But if God chooses to take it away, he will give us another as Paul writes, right after the verses we read, he says, we know if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal home. And if that is our perspective, nothing can stop us. Because even what happens to you, your mortal body, right, is something, and, and we know we have loved ones who have hurt so bad in their mortal bodies, and yet as we love them and see them, see them through that stage into the life to come, we can rejoice with them, right? Because we are frail and we are vulnerable and we are temporary beings in our fleshly bodies here. And this building is frail, is vulnerable, it is temporary. But unless we get that view that Paul had, that eternity is coming and we can participate in it now, right? if we have that view, we can participate in it now, it breaks the scale. And we go, it, that, that eternal glory far outweighs, far outweighs 
anything else. So we fix our eyes, Paul writes, on not what is seen, but is what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And guys, I think, I think this is what will give us that excitement, that joy to walk further together because of this. Um, because we live in a culture that is constantly saying, if you're not experiencing the greatest sense, the most heightened sense of pleasure now, it's not worth it. But, but Christianity breaks that and says, no. There are things worth building, worth investing, worth giving your life for, worth dying for. That even in these momentary things will give you an un, unstoppable joy. An unstoppable joy because you're looking forward, you're constantly looking forward to the, the greater reality of what God has in store, not just for us and what we participate in, but for what is to come. And we sang that together, right, where it says there's a song that's been sung by the saints that have come and gone before us under the sun, right? Those that are present before the throne sing endlessly the glory of God. And there are those that have been faithful and have run their wishes well, and they're waiting to receive us going, yes, you ran well too. And so, so how do we celebrate with the greatest joy what we have here? How we celebrate with the greatest joy is just being crazy excited that this is part of our story right now. Right? And praying as we pray and we dedicate this. We, we pray, God, use this for your glory. We pray, God, that when people come in these doors, they don't think the coffee oasis is cool. They think God is cool. Because he's blessed us with this temporary home. And so that's what we have to gather around. So, we fix our eyes not on this building, but we fix our eyes on the gift God's given us by His grace. There's this beautiful verse in Psalm 127.1, and it was mentioned yesterday. It just says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builder labors in vain. And, and I think that's so true of not only this home, but I want to tie that in really quick to, to us as individuals and us as a church. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborer builds in vain. Um... So for us, there was a lot of labor that went into this. But unless the Holy Spirit fills this place and people come and experience the same love they've always experienced here, this is for nothing. <laughs> we know that, right? Amen? But for you guys, too, what you're investing in, right? The life that you're living. There will be times of exhaustion. Some of you guys have experienced it in the laboring for what we do here, right? Um, but unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds your house, your life, you're laboring in vain. And so I want us to take these two things side by side and go, how are we going to walk forward? How are we going to say, are you ready for the pain that is to come? Because it's going to come. All right, it's going to come. But when that pain comes, the pain doesn't have to be a deal breaker, right? Let's pray now that God build our house, build our home, so that when the pain comes, our treasures are in heaven, right? They're with you, and so our hope is unquenchable and undying. We're going to move in now just to a time of dedication, and, um, and I hope this guy just fills you guys with a sense of happiness and anticipation, because God's doing something here, um, but what we need to unite around is something eternal, not just something temporary. Um, so I'm going to ask um, Pat and my dad, just the elders, to come up, and we're going to pray.